This is One-on-One's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Another episode of Five on Three, Jackson Heil, Chris Hennessy here with you. Chris, it's been a while for myself on Five on Three. Glad to be back, but how are you, buddy? It is good to have you back, Jackson. I'm good, my man. It's uh it's been an eventful couple weeks since we last had an episode. It's been um, not good for my heart rate, but uh, playoff hockey is back despite it being September 4th, and uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to say, I'm, I'm happy I don't have a dog in the race in either of these <laughs> three series that are still going on. I mean, listen, the dream is three game sevens right now, which we got two today, both in the, the Western dream for Conference. You. And dream for, you. for you, it's heartbreak, uh, potentially given the Isles being up 3-1 in the series. They lose in double overtime yesterday. Ivan Provorov, the game winner, about midway through double overtime on a pass from Kevin Hayes to set up another game seven. But, um, yeah, the postseason has been awesome so far. But specifically this Islanders-Flyers series, which we're going to get into right now, Chris, it's been all over the place. And, honestly, a lot of the postseason has been that way. But specifically this series – to me, the weird thing is when I'm watching, it seems like the team that deserves to win the least always finds a way to win in this series. I mean, specifically in game six, I mean, Islanders had this game pretty – not wrapped up, but you got a one-goal lead in the third period. And that's not wrapped up by any means in the postseason, but the way they were playing but for the Islanders, in it the is. second and third period, that should be a wrap considering yeah. what happened. Absolutely, and – I think you're right outside of game one. You know, the Islanders won game one for nothing, but all the other games has been back and forth. It's like, well, Philly could win this game. The Islanders score two goals, they win. And then you have game five, the Islanders score those two goals in the last five minutes. They should have the, um, the advantage going into overtime and they lose. Now they have this one where, you know, the, it, the mark of this team is defense and it's, it's keeping the puck away from the net and not letting in shots. And, yes, only 31 shots on goal in 95 minutes of hockey. And Varlamov wasn't that good. But the third period was not not ideal for the Islanders. And, and that's just, you know, it sucks because they should have won that game 10 times over. And um, to have to go to game seven after that is demoralizing, to say the least, especially because on paper, it's no question who the better team is. And it's no question who the better goalie is. And – it's concerning for the Islanders that they're going to have to go to game seven here. They shouldn't have had to take all three chances to beat the Flyers, but hopefully Saturday night they can wrap this thing up. And the weird thing is like on paper, like it's clear, like Philadelphia's more talented team coming into the series. There's no question about that, but looking statistically and numbers wise, I think clearly the Islanders have been the better team in the series. Like this, I don't think it's really been all that close to be quite well, honest with you, we should I mean, have this thing wrapped up, tied up, and we should talk, be talking about game more of the Eastern Conference Finals. But especially last night, it's I think the difference in this series is Carter Hart. I mean, this guy is a stud. I mean, I know he's only what, 22 or 23 years old, but he is an absolute superstar. And Varlamov is good. He's played well. He got pulled in game three, game two, game two. He got pulled in game two, and he didn't play in game four. But and the games where he played besides last night, he's been good. And last night he was terrible. And Carter Hart was outstanding, especially in the third period, and especially in the first overtime when the Islanders had tons of chances. I mean, Jordan Eberle was within five feet of Carter Hart with the puck on his stick. 
every minute of the entire game. I mean, it felt like every time I turned around, the first line had a chance. They just couldn't get it past them. Carter Hart's been the difference in this series and has let the Flyers win games that otherwise they do not deserve to win. And you're absolutely right on that note. And honestly, I, from Philadelphia, they've had three good players in this series to me. And the, the best of them has been Carter Hart for sure. There's no doubt about that. But Kevin Hayes and Ivan Provorov really look like the only two players who have a pulse out there half the time. I mean, obviously Sean Couturier is fantastic, but I mean, he didn't play in game six and obviously they'll hope to have him in game seven, but his health is certainly up in the air at the moment. And he's probably been their second best player behind Hayes in this series. Absolutely. But the, the, the Flyers right now, I mean, I don't know how you watch this team at the moment and think they have a chance to win in game seven other than having Carter Hart, which but is scary, which is scary, but that is also all you need. I mean, being a Rangers fan, you've seen what Henrik Lundqvist can do to wipe away mistakes in Game 7 because that's what he did religiously for New York. And that seems to be exactly what Carter Hart is doing for Philadelphia. And to do it at such a young age is so impressive. But Same coach, too. Yeah, exactly. And, but, Chris, I mean, like, I, I don't know how you don't give the edge to the Islanders going into Game 7. I, I know, obviously, from your point of view, you have to be concerned with not only the goaltending that you got from Barlamov in game five, but just because it's a game seven after blowing a 3-1 series lead. But the Islanders, to me, have been clearly the better team in this series. And I'm not too worried if I'm an Islanders fan. Obviously, you're going to be worried in a game seven, and that's not my position to talk right now because I don't have a dog in the fight at this point. But everything I've seen from the Islanders has been encouraging. And anything can happen in a game seven. But if the Islanders play like that again, they're going to win on Saturday. 100%. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. I 100% agree with you, but it's the idea that they need to get there, that they need to do that again, that they're going to sit in the locker room last night and today and say, like, just do the same exact thing you did last night and you're going to win. But they shouldn't, they shouldn't have to be there. And it's, it's just – it's concerning how much momentum Philadelphia has right now. And when you have that talented of a team with that good of a goalie and you have this much momentum, two straight overtime wins and an unbelievable performance last night from Carter Hart – it, it just – it feels like things are swinging Philadelphia's way. Because of who I am as a person, if you're going to ask me to pick the game, of course I'm going to pick the New York Islanders. But, however, over the last 20 years, I've seen them fall flat in their face time after time after time after time. So you're not going to convince me to be confident. So here's also where there is a bit of a dilemma for the Islanders, and it comes in goal because Varlamov, pretty terrible in game six. You have a guy in Thomas Grice who was terrific in relief in game two and was stellar in game four and was pretty much the reason the Islanders won game four that allowed them to go up 3-1 in the series. If I'm Barry Trotz, I'm probably going to Thomas Grice in this situation. I am absolutely 100% going to Thomas Grice. I think there's no, there's no debate. We, talk, we had a podcast, I mean, it must have been in October or November, very early in the season, right around when the win streak was ending for the Islanders. If you remember, they had the 15 straight games to the point and they were going back and forth, Grice Varley, Grice Varley, just back and forth. And I said to you and Jack Caldwell, this is what they have to do in the playoffs because last year you played Leonard all through the Pittsburgh series and then all through the Carolina series. And it was clear once they got to Carolina in game three and game four, he was burnt out because he hadn't played eight games in a row all season long. And Grice was just sitting there. He's a perfectly good goalie. He wasn't as good as Leonard last year. And he hasn't been as good as Varlamov this year. But he's a perfectly competent goalie. And with this defense, that's really all you need. So for this 
for this game, you have to go back to Varlamov because this is what they're used to. They're, Varlamov and Grice this year just been going game one, game two, game one, game two. And you can't just rely on one of them come to playoffs. And that, I think, is the one thing – I mean, Barry Trotz has been a godsend for this franchise. Do not get me wrong. But that's the one thing that I just – I don't think I really understand. Is when they get to the playoffs, they, they dump that – they dump that dual goalie system and only go with one. And it's clearly burned, clearly burned them last year, and it's burned, it burned them last night. And I think you have to go to Grice to just show the team that we're, we have our faith in Thomas Grice. Don't go back on it. Just say it even today. Just say, we are going with Thomas Grice. We have full faith in him, and we're going to win game seven. And, and get, give the boys some confidence, because last night, last night was demoralizing, to say the least. And not even just from the going back and forth perspective. Like, Grice has clearly been the better goalie. And not, that's not to take anything away from Varlama, because – other than Game Six, he has been good. Like you can't you can't he, deny he that. He was great. He was great against Washington. He was great against Florida in the qualifying series as well. But at some point, you got to ride the hot hand. And Varlamov, I mean, there, there's really no excuse. Five goals on 31 shots in 95 minutes, and it was really it was four goals on like 15 shots in regulation, yeah. which you can't have. And listen. Not all of them were bad goals, for sure. I mean, the game-time goal from Lawton was that was sick. beauty. It was a great move coming right off the bench, a little deep backhand, forehand, top shelf. Like, there's nothing you can do about certain things that happen. But, and also the game-winning goal. I mean, terrific yeah. play by Hayes behind the net and a great screen in front by Raffle. He had no chance that, at that one. That was on the defense. You got to clear out the slot on that one. Exactly. Maybe the JVR goal was – Bad. I don't. I don't know how he kept playing. Yeah. The, 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 they they put themselves. He was the one that put themselves in a position to get the game to overtime, and the reason the game was close in the first place. So the, it, it, for that reason, I would go to Grice in Game Seven. But again, I, I think we'll have to wait till tomorrow to see which direction Barry Trotz is going to go, and it may be a season deciding decision at this point Ooh. because goaltending has been the difference in this series. So. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Islanders, Flyers, Game 7. We got two more Game 7s today, both in the Western Conference, which are going to be a lot of fun. And two teams also, two series that were 3-1 as well, Colorado and Dallas, which has been a fun, fun series to watch. Lots of goals, lots of high-end action on both ends. That game is in a few hours, 4 o'clock. It's 2.23 as we record this right now. But – Chris, I've been leaning Colorado. I took them in five in the series to start, and things got ugly out of the gate. I mean, obviously, they lose Grubauer early in the series, and things kind of fell apart, but they found their niche again. And obviously, Michael Hutchinson coming in, starting an elimination game, his first ever playoff start, and he was terrific against Dallas in game six. You have to assume they'll ride the hot hand again in game seven, but Chris, I really like Colorado in the series. I think this is a team that's going to win Stanley Cups soon, sooner rather than later. But it's been impressive to watch the resolve of this team, especially after going down 3-1 in this series. Completely agree. And Hutchinson was fantastic last night – or not last night, two nights ago. And we, yeah, we have no reason to assume that in an hour and a half when they take the IC won't be the starting goalie. But outside of the goaltending, which has been very good, there's one man who's thanked – there's two, really, to thank for this. And Nate McKinnon and Kale McCarr are just yeah. – they are going to be the backbone, you're right, for Stanley Cups – Stanley Cup or Stanley Cups to come because both of those guys are young and fun to watch play hockey because 
man, they are they're, they're just really fun. I mean, Nate McKinnon is clearly the best player left in the playoffs. He has absolutely eight multi-point games and zero games without a point in the playoffs. I believe is what I saw on Twitter, yep. which is just a banana stat. I mean, they have stars to lean back on, and they have lent back on their stars the last two games to uh, beat the stars, no pun intended. And um, and Nate McKinnon and Kel McCarr have carried them. You talk about game – this is game five, uh, six, excuse me, with, you know, the game on the line, season, season on the line, McKinnon with a goal and an assist, Rantanen with a goal and an assist, McCarr with a goal. And they win, and they win the game because that's, that's who you need to step up. That's who steps up for the team. And this is a team who is put together – are they put together right now to beat Vegas? Well, after what we saw last night with the Vegas, maybe. But – I don't think so quite yet, but one or two, they are one or two years away from being an absolute powerhouse in the Western Conference if they are already. I would argue McKinnon's probably the second best player in the NHL right now. I would even say he's better than Crosby at this I, point. I could back just that up. With the speed, the talent, and obviously the skill level is just so high. I mean, he had the great goal in game six. The assist was even more impressive to me. That saucer pass over a sliding defender. <laughs> And how about um, Rantanen, like, hitting it basically out of the Yeah, game? right onto the stick of Rantanen. And, I mean, he's been impressive in his own right, too. And, I mean, a lot of it, obviously, riding the coattails of one of the best players in hockey, probably the number two player in the NHL right now. But, I mean, this team is loaded with talent. And the, the interesting thing for me with Dallas is that they come into the playoffs, they lost nine in a row from the end of the regular season to the – last game of the round robin, then all of a sudden they just start scoring goals upon goals. I mean, this is a team in the regular season that had 120 goal score in Dennis Gurianov, and no one else had more than 20 goals this season, and which is surprising considering you have probably one of the most dynamic top lines in the NHL in Sagan Ben and Radulov. But they finally figured something out in the postseason. And first five games of the series, they looked terrific, to be honest. I mean, yeah. the goal, they were getting the goaltending from Kudobin. They, they went away from Kudobin in game five. And Ben Bishop ended up allowing five goals in the first period, which was a disaster, to say the least. But it, it's weird to watch what has happened to Dallas because they went from a team that was so structured defensively. And they've obviously been through a weird year losing Jim Montgomery because yeah. of his – alcohol problems which is we're glad to see he's figured that stuff out and stepped down at the right time but it's been a weird year going from coach to a different coach to kind of a different style too because they went from a team that was defensively so strong to now a team that is scoring a ton of goals and identity wise I just don't think this was a a team that could score with the Avs for in a seven game series and I think it's finally catching up to them now but this is an interesting game seven because this could be a, a game where we end up seeing it being 6-5, and you just don't see that many times in a game seven. But w- with the way these two teams have been scoring lately, I wouldn't put anything past them when it comes to a high-scoring affair. 100%. And, I mean, another guy who's on, a young guy on the back end, Mira Heiskanen, has been the absolute you know, catalyst behind the offense, you know, even from the back line. Um, ben Sagan and Radulov are a fantastic pairing. But I think when it comes down to it, if you're talking about this game seven, that doesn't meet the star power of McKinnon and Rantanen and Landeskog. And when, you know, Michael Hutchinson could be the difference in the game at this point, because that first line in Dallas can score. 
you know, they can score with the first line on Colorado and Colorado's going to have to lean on Hutchinson, who, as we mentioned before, has one postseason start um, uh, to, to get them this game. Because as you said, yeah, Dallas can score with the best of them. And, and Heiskanen has been fantastic. 19 points in the playoffs at, you know, 20 years old. He's another guy who's just going to be around for a really, really long time. Hopefully, you know, all 20 years on Dallas, because um, that'd be really mm-hmm. fun for them to have, have a guy who, who stays there and, and brings them to big heights because, you know, we're looking at a series in Colorado and Dallas that we could be seeing a lot of in the next couple of years. These are two young, fun, high-scoring teams um, who will play a great game seven in a couple hours. And we'll see who the X factors are. But like you mentioned, Heiskin and McCarr, two guys who went back-to-back in the draft. I mean, Flyers got to be kicking themselves as they watch Shane Gostaspare be a healthy scratch, knowing that they could have had either Heiskin or McCarr instead of Nolan Patrick, who really hasn't – made much of an impact at the NHL level yet. Obviously, there's a lot of time for him to do that at some point. But again, two guys who are probably going to be difference makers in what we're about 90 minutes away from game seven. So that's going to be a fun one. And then later on tonight, Vegas and Vancouver, I I thought the series was a wrap after game four. Vegas has just looked so good. But I mean, we're talking about great goaltending. No one's been better than Thatcher Demko for Vancouver, who comes out last night, a 48-save shutout after the night before, I thought was even – I don't know how he could have topped what he did in game five to keep them alive when Vancouver got outshot 43-17 to and they somehow found a way to win 2-1. But this is scary for Vegas because they've played not two perfect games in a row. But they've played two great games in a yeah. row. It, it, it resembles a lot of what's happened with the Islanders against Philadelphia. But it's even more so to the extent with Vegas because they've been so dominant. I mean, back-to-back games, 43 and 48 shots. I, the fact that they've come away with two straight losses, that has to be incredibly frustrating for a oh, Vegas yeah. team that has been probably the best team in the postseason right now. And I, I want to say Vegas is going to come out and dominate tonight, but – I've said that the last two nights and somehow Vancouver continues to find a way. And that's got to be incredibly frustrating. Oh, that's exceptionally frustrating, especially for, you know, that's another team who can really score and they were absolutely dominating Jacob Markstrom and, you know, credit, credit where credit is due. Travis Green, coach the Canucks, Thatcher Demko, make the right decision, put the guy in and, and ride with him to, a, you know, it's a two games, a small sample size, 0.47 goals against average, which is bananas. Again, two games, um, one goal in, in the two games. And it's been, he's been absolutely amazing. But I think when you look at the Vegas team, they're going to come out with a vengeance tonight. Unlike anything that they've seen the last two nights, they're going to play their offensive game to the point where Vegas can't keep up defensively. It's all going to fall on Demko again, is basically what I'm saying. You know, they've gotten over 40 shots the last two nights, and it's going to be on Demko again to try to keep Vancouver in this game, where Vancouver's offense has really just been okay the last two uh, – last night they scored four goals. The night before, it was just okay. Last night, four goals, really good game. Concerning on the Vegas side, though, on the net, you know, whether, Leonard has just been okay the last couple of games when they were kind of – there was that whole debate that Mike and I had about that was the day Marc-Andre Fleury's agent puts out the tweet and, uh, you know, who are they going to play, Leonard or Fleury, and they keep going back and forth. Now Leonard hasn't really been that great. So I think they're going to go with Fleury tonight, which is going to be interesting. He hasn't played in that long. And 
you have to, if you're a Vegas fan, you have to hope that the, the big guns on offense come out and they dominate Thatcher Demko and, and try to get a couple pucks past them, even though that seems physically impossible right now. And, and that's a, the weird thing too, because the, the Leonard versus Flurry thing, it's, it's tough to say what the right decision is right now, because like you said, I mean, you obviously have, you would have Leonard playing in back-to-back nights if you were to start tonight. I, I think they're going to go with Flurry for, obvious reasons, but Flurry's also just been a guy who long time in Pittsburgh didn't have the reputation of being a guy who came up big in the postseason. And then in their final Stanley cup run, he was terrific, even though him and Murray kind of were switching out, mm-hmm. but Flurry was terrific in their first play in Vegas's first playoff run when they went to the Stanley cup final lost to Washington. A lot of the reason they got so far was because of Mark Andre Flurry. And last year was obviously Weird with what happened against San Jose in that game seven, yada, yada. But I, I think Flurry's got to be the guy tonight. And I 100% agree. Because I, just watching the way Robin Leonard played, I mean, two goals on 18, 17 shots in game five, that can't happen. And then last night, listen, I, the reason Vegas loses last night in my mind is because Bertanen had that wraparound goal in the beginning, which Leonard wasn't ready for. And, and that, that's a puck that shouldn't go in the net. And – it does, and that sets a tempo right away from Vancouver because now they can just sit on their heels and rely on their great goaltending from Thatcher Demko, which, by the way, is, I mean, I mean Markstrom was terrific, too. Like, yeah, Markstrom was perfect. Away. There was no Markstrom. reason to be so concerned about Jacob Markstrom, but Travis Green made the right decision. He said, look, he hasn't been good enough to say we're going to go with a no doubt. Let's try to switch it up, and, and with the season on the line, you might as well. Demko's been terrific. You got to think that he's going to be the guy in game seven, obviously. Just it, it, the only thing I worry about with Demko a little bit is you have back to back nights where you're going to be playing. And I mean, he faced 48 shots last night. I mean, that's a, that's a high workload. And I'm, I'm sure he's itching at the opportunity to play again. But I, I wonder about the workload concern here because knowing Vegas, they're probably going to come out and have another 40 shot night because that's what Vegas does to you. And structurally they're a lot better than Vancouver. Vancouver reminds me of a light version of Colorado where they just rely on their top talent to score. And they've been really opportunistic and their top guys have been awesome too. I mean, Elias Pettersson's going to be a superstar. If not one already, you could argue he's probably a top 10 player in the league at this point. JT Miller has been awesome. Brock Besser got off to a really slow start, but games five and six, he's been a difference maker. And, at the back of it all is Quinn Hughes also, who's just been awesome. And he's another guy who's going to be one of the best best young defensemen in the league coming up. I mean, him, Heiskanen, and McCarr are probably the top three young defensemen in the league, and they're also similar in the way they play too. So um, my question is, can Vancouver be opportunistic again? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because I want to say no, but they just continue to prove me wrong game in and game out. So before we wrap it up, let's shift to Tampa, Boston. Tampa takes down the Bruins in five and a weird bubble for Boston. Obviously they come out, beat Carolina in five, but during that series, they lose to Rask because he leaves the bubble due to family concerns. And Halak wasn't terrible, but again, you go from a guy like Tuka Rask to Yaroslav Halak. That, that's a big step down in talent there between the pipes. But to me, this series was just a lot about how good Tampa is 
right now. And I mean, they've clearly been the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. And that's all without their captain, Steven Stamkos. But this team is the deepest team in the league, maybe other than Vegas. But them and Vegas are one, two pretty clearly to me right now. And the fact that they were able to beat a Boston team that was the President's Trophy winners in the regular season, if you want to call it that, because obviously there's no President's Trophy this year. But what they did to Boston was really, really impressive, Chris. I mean, it really was. And we've talked about it, you know, as long as you know, we've been doing the podcast about how dynamic Tampa Bay is offensively and that it was really shocking last year. I mean, we thought we came on the podcast and we used the word shocked when Tampa got swept by Columbus last year. And they've clearly come out just guns firing because they, they want to, they want to get back for what happened last year because they had one of the best regular seasons in, in the history of the sport. Um, but in recent memory, at least. And, um, and got bounced in four games. And now they've, they crushed Columbus. They crushed Boston. And I think the, be- I think the blessing for Tampa Bay is over the last three days, the Philadelphia has won these two games because they have, you know, Stamkos is out. Kucherov got hurt in game five. Vasilevsky's played every single, he's the only goaltender. I think I saw this. He's the only goaltender who's ever played every single game um, to this point. And they got a lot of, you know, it's the playoffs, right? You need the rest. Mm-hmm. And they've now gotten that rest, and they're going to play, um, you know, obviously next week, um, mm-hmm. game one. So they're going to be rested, you know, hopefully for Tampa Bay that they're healthy and Kucherov is back. And I think that no matter who it is, Islanders or Flyers, Tampa Bay is going gonna, is gonna to roll because they are just on an absolute heater right now that feels like it's impossible to stop. And also something interesting to note here with this series is that game one will be Monday regardless <laughs> of who they play. And it'll be in Edmonton, too, because they're moving both teams to the Edmonton bubble. So they are probably already settled in Edmonton for what? I mean, this series ended early last week. Well, there were some questions about whether game – so, yes, you're right. They should be in Edmonton by this point. But if the Islanders had won game five Mm -hmm. or even game six, I think, because of how long the Western Conference series had been taking – taking they were going to play game one in In Toronto Toronto. interesting so they might not have left until today but your point still stands that the time difference will already have affected them and be past them by Mm. the time Monday hits where the Islanders or Flyers have to wait until probably Sunday morning to play out and the rest is a big thing as you mentioned too I mean Vasilevsky finally gets a blow Um, Kucherov can hopefully get healthy for them I mean Ryan McDonough was not healthy at the end of that series. He was battling through a lot, but this gives him some time to maybe ease some wounds. So that should be interesting. It will be a great storyline to follow. Chris, before we wrap up, let's make our picks for tonight. We'll start with today's games, Colorado and Dallas. I got the abs today. Um, I wanted to take them. If I, I, if there was a bet out there, I wanted to take it was, I want to take the abs series line the minute they went down 3-1 in this series, and they've gotten to a game seven, and they have the best player in the N- left in the NHL right now in Nathan McKinnon, and I don't see them losing this game under any scenario. 100% agree. Got to go with Colorado. The star power is gonna is gonna trump all, and they're gonna they're gonna put a couple past Kudobin or Bishop, whoever it is, probably Kudobin uh, tonight, and and take this one and head off to the Western Conference Final. Vegas, Vancouver. Since I've been wrong pretty much every game in this series, I'm going to try to be wrong again because I, in my heart I know Vegas is winning tonight. But 
I'm going to take Vancouver because it's been mystifying to me how Vegas hasn't closed out this series in game five or game six. And the fact that it's gotten to this point tells me there's some sort of voodoo or magic that's going on in Vancouver. I don't know what it is, but something's happening there. And as good as Vegas is, I think they're probably the best team in hockey right now. I don't know if they can score against Thatcher Demko. They haven't, they've scored one goal on 90 something shots in two games and I think that's going to continue tonight. And I think Vancouver is going to find a way, even if they get outshot by 30, I, I think they're somehow going to find a way to squeeze this game out 2-1. This is a tough one because it feels so stupid to go against It makes Thatcher no Demko. sense. It feels so dumb to say, I'm going to go against Thatcher Demko. But it feels so dumb to pay against a team who's clearly been the best in hockey outside of the last 72 hours. So I'm going to pick Vegas for this one reason, because – Demko's going to play tonight after a, you know, a, a tough 60. I mean, he grinded for that win last night. Mm-hmm. Fatigue is going to set in at some point. Mark Stone and, and Max Pacioretty and the whole, the whole gang there is just too good to not score two goals, three goals tonight. Um, and I'll pick Vegas in a close one, but I'm going to go with Vegas. Finally, to the game that Chris has been waiting for, reluctantly, unfortunately, this Islanders is a- Flyers, yeah. Game 7. Look, I'm going to stand on a soapbox for 10 seconds. Just allow me. This is the game I've been waiting for for my entire life. This is it. 27 years since they've been in the Eastern Conference Final. Two nights they had the chance to do it. They didn't do it. Tomorrow night is the night. If they can't win that game, man, oh, man. I mean, I'm going to be a different kind of – of upset with that one. So um, I have to pick the Islanders. It's, you know, it's what I do. I got my, um, if you know, the Rangers sub towel up there, Jackson. I think um, but, we are on a zoom call by the way, right now for those who um, can see that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I have to pick the Islanders. It's what I, you know, it's what I got to do. Um, this is, you know, I said it game five. I said it game six, the biggest Islander game since 1993, without a doubt. And they got, they got to win it. They just, they have to, they have to win this hockey game. They are. They've played well enough to win the series twice now. This is it. They have to win or it's going to be an upsetting, however long the offseason is, it's going to be an upsetting offseason. Similar to this Vegas-Vancouver series, all logic tells me to pick the Islanders, which means I will be picking Philadelphia again because this series and this Vegas series, none of it makes any sense at all for what has happened, especially over the last two games where – The Islanders and the Knights should have won both of those games in flying colors without a doubt. And There must be some magic going on in Philadelphia because I don't know what the hell Elaine Vigneault is doing, but somehow the Flyers have managed to win game five and game six and get to a game seven. And I think Carter Hart probably does it again. And I I don't know why, but it's, again, I'm making two picks against my – my greater judgment because every stat in the book says the Islanders should win this game if they continue to play like they should. And the same thing goes for Vegas. So I'm going against the numbers because the numbers have been lying to me these last four games in this series. And I'm going to take the flyers here. So Chris, I want to wish you good luck, but I'm not going to because for obvious reasons. Um, But great to talk to you again on five on three. It's been a while for me, Credit to Mike Messina for keeping us um, in check here 
on the latest edition of five on three, but we'll be back next week, previewing the conference finals, previewing what's happened in the NHL. But once again, it's been another episode of five on three.